What's up, ding dongs? Right out of the gate. Yeah. Right out of the gate. You know, I just had to get it out of the way because I've, I've just been, something's weighing on me here. Mm-hmm. And that's the fact mm-hmm. that so many people listening to this podcast and just people that I see out there on the streets. And say the same to you. Um, yeah. You know, they, nobody's they, believing you, Corey. They, they. Put your hands up. They're playing a song. It's from the. It's a party on the side. These talks. people demand. Let's get going. Let's get the, going. With the, what's I'm up, Ding Dong's merchandise? I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm you don't creator. even want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Cinema and the Film Festival too. The demand and, is overwhelming for the What's Up, Ding Dong merchandise line, and I think that the people have made their voices have you have heard. you cleared the domain have you bought what's up dingdongs.com i have not yet i was hoping <laughs> that we could bring that up at the next staff meeting to make Maybe it an institutional it. matter you should, you should do a kickstarter because look i i i don't think i'm wrong here um but you remember the put your n- hands up they're playing our song it's a party in the you remember the Noid, Let's, how the Noid ruins about, pizzas and yeah. you want to avoid the Noid? Well, What's Up Ding yeah. Dongs, I think, has the possibility the to be as culturally relevant as the Noid. This is the biggest train wreck of an intro we've ever done. And that's saying a lot. I, I like to, I, you know, my part of it is articulate and, you know, I think pretty okay. well okay. argued. So okay. I'll, I'll just leave it there. We can get into the podcast and talk about films. Leave it there. All right. What's up, Ding Dongs? Let's get started. You All right. that one. You I earned did. that one. I did. Blow those headphones off. You are going to know this one. I'm just going to let you know that right now. You've okay. Def- I, I watched this and I was like, oh, Corey has definitely seen this film. Corey might okay. own this film on 4K Blu-ray. Let's Prob- hear about oh, it. Oh, 100%. So I don't know where I am in this thing because oh, I've been a confession to make. I've never seen it. There's a lot of reasons why I would haven't seen it. It looks shit. It is shit. <laughs> and it has shit in it. Like there is shit starring in it. I bet I so, love it. There's two people in an elevator. Okay. Okay. And I'm like, okay, these two people are in an elevator. By the way, there's two very famous people. And then there's a couple other people in there with them that are extras, obviously. And it's cutting between the elevator. It's cross-cutting between the elevator and what I first read is just sort of a generically, I'll put a control room, Uh which I later discover is actually a control van that's a surveillance van that's moving around. Okay. And there are two jabronis in this van that's moving around monitoring whatever's happening in this elevator because somebody in the elevator is all wired up with stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Do you know what this is yet? I have a guess. Is okay. is this a is this a nineties thriller? It seems like a nineties film for sure. Are, you, these two you, these two people are extremely famous extremely actor, famous actors. That's correct. Was one of them recently involved in let's say a controversy yes, on live television? You knew it already. I can't even believe it. This yes. is Gene Hackman and, and Will Smith in Tony Scott's Enemy of the State from nineteen ninety eight. That's exactly right. And I was gonna go on to tell you that's exactly right. Uh, I just he, watched this movie for the first time three weeks ago. I so I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. Yeah. And he had what the a little, coincidence. They're scanning, and it's, it, there's like a little thing on the screen. The screen stuff is really funny because it feels very dated. It oh, says sort of it, yeah. watch, shoes, pants. And I didn't know, but the two jabronis in the surveillance van. It's uh, Jamie Jack, Kennedy. Jack Black and Jamie Kennedy is Jack no, Black. No, it's um, Seth Seth Green. Green. And Jamie Kennedy. Um, and maybe Jack Black. Is Jack in Black's in there. Scott Kahn's in there. This movie has a, a wacky cast. Um, John Voight's no the villain. Tom Sizemore's in this thing. Uh, Regina King is Will Smith's wife. Um, yeah, it's got a it's, really... It's, and it's Jason Robards. 
Like, I had yeah, I didn't have any idea about the jabroni cast, which I thought was kind of fun. Like they should have shoved Polly Shore in there too. But anyway, he's wired up, and of course the the wire is in the bottom of his shoe and gets ripped out. And I, I didn't have to get, I didn't have to go there. They planted all manners of bugs on his person, yes. you see, because he's in possession of an uh, incriminating video file that um, suggests that John Voigt, who's a shady member of the NSA or whatever, is, well, John Voigt murders a senator to ensure that the Patriot Act essentially gets passed in the Senate. I'm so bored. Um, I will tell you, though, that I... Three years before the real Patriot Act, by the way. Well, I just want to point that out. Histor- so. History class with Corey Craft. I do want to say that when I was watching this in the other room very quickly before we came into the studio, I did say to Brad and Sam... I was, what, 45 seconds into this thing, and I said, oh, Corey's going to get it from here. Like, it's a, it's it, a pretty good movie. It's it's very mm-hmm. 90s tech thriller silly, um, but Gene Hackman's in it. Like, mm-hmm. I love Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. And, look, I, I got to, you know, I've been over this on this podcast. We don't need to relitigate anything. But you watch that movie, and you're like, oh, yeah, I really like Will Smith, too. That's a, no. He's a really good actor. He's Let's a really strong actor. Let's wrap this one up. Let's wrap actor. this one up. I still kind of stand by it. The second by it. it's called What's This Shit for a Reason. It's a good movie. I mean, not a great it's movie, a shit it's movie. a good movie. It's a shit movie. Enemy of the State. All right. Shit Nailed movie. it. Shit movie. Moving on. Roll your mouse over the biscuit maker. Man, that's weird. Well, guess what? I got some weird stuff for you. All well, right. it's kind of weird. It's not, it's not over the top weird, but actually there's a couple of weird things. One of which is the fact that it's going to connect back to something we've talked about on a recent episode, and okay. that was not by design. What was by design was, as I was kind of scrolling around looking for stuff to bring you, I went with uh, Tony Scott, uh, director Tony Scott, because we've screened Top Gun. That's right. Maverick, specifically, at the cinema, and actually sold some decent tickets to it. Not great, but sold some decent tickets to it after it's been playing in the cinemas for two months, which is kind of crazy. I'm feeling better and better about that decision to bring Top Gun Maverick to the to the cinema. It's and wild um, that this is Glad happening. that our audience is coming out and enjoying it. So... I want to talk for a minute about a film that's directed by Tony Scott, I do believe, called Days of Thunder. Hell yeah. From 1990. Have you seen this film? I have. So the, I, you know, the way that I landed on this was that little weave that I just kind of mentioned. So, yeah, we got we got Enemy of the State from Tony Scott. We just talked about Nicole Kidman, like early 90s Nicole Kidman. Right. And we talked about Malice. That's right. We've been talking about Tom Cruise all summer, essentially. Exactly, which is so, why I didn't exactly want to do Top Gun because it's come up a good bit. So yeah. I thought, let's just see what came very shortly after Top Gun. And, of course... It didn't come directly after Top Gun. There were a couple of music videos um, in Tony Scott's world that he directed after that. And then there was, of course, Beverly Beverly Hills Hills Cop Cop 2. But I didn't want to do a sequel. Yeah. So we're going Days of Thunder here, which was a concept that was actually created by Tom Cruise after spending some time at a racetrack, I do believe. You sure like Don Simpson wasn't just blowing lines and like nascar but but top gun that, we could do we could do top gun with cars we could do cars guys that might have happened but then tom cruise was like he'll never remember this and i'm gonna take credit for it sure why not for this fail this this financial failure that was days of was it a financial failure it was actually yes to the point where a lot of people actually had to shake off their contracts because they were being asked to repay some money yeah, wow it, what i didn't i didn't realize how do you go that wrong completely. with with race car tom cruise in it's very strange i i don't know i mean how do you go wrong with race cars period that audience is one that yeah. will reach into that wallet no matter how empty and get money out for race cars but 
Let me just say a couple things about okay. this film that I think you might find odd and interesting and maybe even weird. And that is that uh, to get just for, for beginners here, uh, production started without a script. Well, which is always a good idea. I, you know, having seen Days of Thunder, that doesn't you surprise me. It. And so, at some point, they were writing script like day of in some instances. And at one point, Tom Cruise had cue cards taped to the. I'm assuming they were taped. They were fixed somehow to the windshield of a car, which then led him to have a minor accident, but an accident nonetheless. And also then moving forward it's not like they were like we need to take a break and get the script written they just put an earpiece in yeah and began feeding him lines i mean he's wearing that helmet right in yeah, the in why the, not? the the seat of that car i just the idea of not having a script and having to compile a script for days of thunder on the fly i know that you mean like the specifics of dialogue and blocking <laughs> within each scene but like the idea of a bunch of dudes standing around in a film set like cargo cargo s- slow <laughs> and somebody's like, no, fellas, fellas, I've got it. In this scene, the car will go fast. Yeah, I think that was pretty much yeah. it. And then, I mean, Tom Cruise has to say a few things, so we got to tape some cards up. But he doesn't really have to say oh, that much. Boy. Let's well, be real. They felt uh, serious enough about it that he got into a little wreck. So anyway, so there's that. And then um, a lot of the facts around this film and the interest around this film, you'll find a lot of you know, this actually really happened in racing and this really happened and this was based on this fight between these two drivers. I don't care about any of that stuff. And so, but what I do care about is this next thing, which I think you're going to love. At Daytona for the final race, is that coming to mind for you? Mm -hmm. It's a final race of the movie and you hear, gentlemen, start your engines. That voice is the voice of, do you know who? No. It's the voice of Burt Reynolds. What? Am I just blowing your mind right now? What, I know what was this was not doing? planned. Was he was he just like there for the actual race and it they didn't just give got me the, the any audio? information? I, I and and I I will say I write this fairly quickly. It's an sure, hour sure. hour and a half beforehand that I tried. You, to you didn't go into the national archives. But I didn't, but I did think. I have got to get to the bottom of what the hell. How do we do? We have this wild line from Burt Reynolds. Yeah. Okay, so there's that. I also want you to know that Tom Cruise met with Dale Earnhardt Sr., uh-huh. and this story is recounted by Dale Jr. So he met with him prior to production and what do you think some research. About? Some research. <laughs> but Dale Sr. was actually offered the role of Rowdy Burns. Is that um, Duvall? I, or is that um, uh, Michael Rooker? I shouldn't say for sure. I don't remember. But what, but what I can tell you is clearly he didn't play that role, and the reason he turned it down is because he didn't want to be the bad guy. Oh, oh, the bad guy. Okay, so that's is that Carrie Elwes? I think that's Carrie Elwes. Is that Elwes. who it is? Uh, oh, you got Bride. your phone. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. And in the meantime, continue. I will also let you know that this is another fun fact. So part of the reason probably why this film doesn't make money is the amount of money they burn through. So Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, and Robert Town would, it's been reported, would argue with Tony Scott so much so over how to shoot this thing that there would be entire days where they would have cast and crew, extras included, just standing around ready, waiting for the shoot to begin, and it would never start. Yeah. And they, some of the, while they were waiting, some of the extras and some of the folks that were race car, that would normally be working at a racetrack, did the math and, and figured out that based on their, their, the salary they were getting, how many weeks of vacation they could go on. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. And, so, and some of that was up to like four weeks of, of pay. And Michael Rooker is is Rowdy Burns in the movie. They're kind of frenemies, I think. I gotcha. I gotcha. Here's another fun one. Okay. Okay. And then I'm going to land it on my favorite little fun fact here. 
But this one's kind of a fun one. Not a fun one for Don Simpson, but a fun one for me. Uh-huh. And so producer Don Simpson cast his girlfriend, as producers will often do, and she, she got him in, uh, got her in a small part. Her name was uh, Donna W. Scott. You may, I don't know if you're familiar or not. No. Well, anyway, she played the infamous pit girl. In the film, and she was on set probably because they were fussing and fighting so much. She was on set for two months. I don't know why two months, two months to be on set. My guess is she, you know, oh, we need her in this scene and we need her in that scene so he could kind of keep her around. Well, that backfired and she dumped him on set. And guess what? What? Hooked up with Tony Scott and they got married and had two kids together. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> oh, bummer. Take that. And then... Here's my very favorite point of all, and all it's right. a brief one. But Nicole Kidman, of course, she comes on to this. This is where she meets Tom Cruise. Sure. This is the evil evolution of their relationship, the the thing that, that probably she regrets taking the role because it led her down a road of disaster. She's playing a character in this movie. As I recall, um, the character is a woman? Yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about right. all she's got. That's right. Well, this is where she meets Cruise and and – also, uh, you know, I think Tony Scott had told Tom Cruise he needed Tom Cruise to sign off on casting her. Sure. And he said, go watch Dead Calm. And, of course, I just can picture Tom Cruise sitting on a couch just rubbing his little hands together watching the beautiful Nicole Kidman and Dead Calm and being like, of course we'll cast her. Anyway, that's not the fun fact. The fun <laughs> fact is this. She comes on to set a very serious actor, as she has been known to be, and wanted to study neurosurgery for her role. Yeah, that's right. She's a doctor. So she wanted to do that, and the producers said to her, don't do that. That would be a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> that's the least surprising thing ever. Uh, yeah, but still my favorite. So that's that's what I have. And by the way, this is only scratching the surface on this one. We could probably do a whole other segment just on crazy shit that went on in Days of Thunder, but that's what I got for you. So of the Cruz-Kidman collaborations, Days of Thunder, Far and Away, Eyes Wide Shut, which one's the best? I think you've asked me this before. And I, hard to say, hard to say, probably Days of Thunder. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that would not be my answer. Uh, yeah, well, you know what? As much time as they spent fussing and fighting on this thing and people probably standing around for them to fuss and fight, how many days of shooting did they do with Kubrick? Well, that's the thing. Like, of of those movies, the only normal <laughs> shoot, it sounds like, was far and away. And that's, right. I, I'd say, for the, the least result there. Uh, that movie that also is weird i should have posed that question to you about the tom cruise nicole kidman <laughs> movies as a fuck mary kill situation yeah well i don't know where to even begin with that i'm marrying eyes wide shut i know it's gonna get weird well, that's kind of that's kind of funny because of all of them that's probably the one you should fuck I'm going to kill... <laughs> it's definitely the horniest I'm, of the three. I'm going to kill Far and Away because that needs to be gone. And then, uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's Days of Thunder because, you know, it's it's just flashing colors, speed, yeah, you know, race cars. That. You know, bring that into the boudoir. Have a good time with uh, Days of Thunder. Though I do think that the pull quote is... On, on the cover, right? The new uh-huh. the, uh, a new 4K. When when does the 4K come out for Eyes Wide Shutter? Has it? it? It has not, but I do have. It it, does, I do have the Days of Thunder 4K. <laughs> well, when when the Eyes Wide Shut 4K Blu-ray comes out, the pull quote should say, "The horniest of all Kidman Cruise combos." 
because that is accurate. Yeah, it would have to be. It would have to be. Man. All right. Well, let me not get too far off path because I'm pretty sure we're <laughs> doing an outro now, aren't we? Yeah, this is the outro. And so with that, I will tell you that, well, now I've lost my notes, but here we go. We are your own personal cinematic chicken hawk and shadow company. I don't know what that refers to. I kind of thought I might actually get you on this one. So these are two films that John Carpenter was penned to direct, set to direct, what? and never did. As a matter of fact, neither one got made. I want to see them. I don't even know what they're, they're about, but they're, I want to see they them. They don't exist. Um, so both of them have Vietnam connections. Uh-huh. So it looks like the Chicken Hawk is based on a book. Okay. Um, written by Robert Mason. It chronicles his experience as a helicopter pilot in Vietnam. I want to see John Carpenter do that. Right. Seems very odd. And then my favorite of the two, though, Shadow Company, is also strangely, I don't know why they were wanting to to get Carpenter to do some Vietnam stuff, but they did. And basically what Shadow Company was about was soldiers who died during Vietnam who then rise from their graves and attack a town, killing everyone on Christmas Eve, starring Kurt Russell. I definitely <laughs> want to see that. Can we get that made? Um, you know, Kurt, not Kurt, sorry, John Carpenter has seemingly just dipped out of public life other than to like do the scores yeah. for um, the, the David Gordon Green Halloweens and cash checks. And, and like every does, once in a while he's like, I want to release a, some vinyl on like Waxworks or something. Sure, and everybody buys them. But but basically, every time he gives an interview, he's like, I, of course, I don't want to make another movie. All I do anymore, essentially, is play video games and watch basketball and smoke weed. And honestly, he spent like 12 years doing that. Good for John. You know, you've earned your retirement. We uh, need you to come out and make Shadow Company. I would love nothing more than for John Carpenter to make another movie. You know what? I want John Carpenter to make the Western that he so desperately wanted to make his entire life. Because all of his movies are basically Westerns anyway. So, you know, old master John Carpenter coming back behind the camera. I'm sure that he's got an open invitation from, like, Blumhouse, right? But he's just yeah. not going to do it. He's just, like, he's just a stoned old dude who just plays, like... Uh, I don't know, Horizon uh, Until Dawn or whatever that, that game is called all day long and watches uh, the NBA. And good let for him. him. Retire. Good let for him retire. Let him rest. Motherfucker made Halloween you. and The Thing. He does not owe us anything else. Those, that, that is more than enough. And then he's got like seven to eight other indisputably great movies. Agreed. And here's the thing. The next time that you find yourself wanting to kill some time, mm-hmm. instead of scrolling through any number of things, do a search for John Carpenter films that didn't get made. Mm. And I know I know all directors have a long list, but this list is particularly bizarre. I mean it is lengthy as hell and some odd ones as I as as my titles that I brought in today suggest. Well. Anyway, thanks for listening to the Side Talks podcast. Thanks to Batwell Studios. Thanks to Revelator Coffee. Thanks to you, the listeners. And visit us online at sidewalkfest.com or on social media at Sidewalk Film where we are ramping up for the 24th annual Sidewalk Film Festival. The lineup is out there. Tickets and passes are available. Buy them as soon as you can, because prices keep going up as we get closer to the festival. And folks, take it from me. I may have a vested interest in this, but I'm telling you, the lineup is great, and you're going to have a great time seeing a bunch of fantastic movies if and when you join us in downtown Birmingham, August 
22nd to 28th. That's all I've got. That's it. That's all we have. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.